Well, we say uh, good morning as far as the time goes. Everybody did well, right? Get an extra hour of sleep? No. Does it ever work out that way? Anyway, what we have just done this morning was a command of the Lord to do. And that is to rejoice, to sing praises to His name, sing a new song, sing people to the Lord. One of the chief things of uh, Christian... What, you know what Christians are known for? Historically and universally, it's for singing with as groups of people. Everywhere you go, whether it be like a, a worship like this, or whether it could be a Bible study or a Bible conference you hear people getting together and singing. Now, when other people get together on conferences and such, like, uh, who knows, whatever it is, do do they sit around and sing? Well, not usually. Uh, Whenever atheists get together, do they sing? (laughs) Uh, Islam. Islam has no reason to sing, and so therefore, it's basically, it's forbidden for them to sing. There's no joy in that, is there? And so it's interesting. Um, you know, I think about music, and of course, you know, I have a love for it, and you know, that's been a part of my life almost all my life. Uh, of course, as a musician, all my life, that's that's what I do. And so everybody would say, well, that's an automatic. But uh, I'm sure that most of you have the same kind of love that that I do for music and and singing, whether you play an instrument or not. Uh, the biggest instrument are the vocal cords, and we get to sing. But uh, to play an instrument, it just kind of helps that along, enhances it. Uh, but then again, maybe you don't have a love for music, and I'm not so sure there's anybody here that doesn't have a love for music here. I'm trying to think. I, I, I doubt if uh, we have that problem. But there are some people who just patiently endure the music portion of the worship and we get to what it's all about, the Word of God, right? Well, it is all about the Word of God, but the Word of God is being proclaimed when we sing songs to God. And that's what we're going to be dealing with today. You know, last week we talked about Martin Luther. Martin Luther, of course, played a key role in the Reformation, and that was uh, a session that really uh, kind of got us to thinking about the 500th anniversary. Well, just to kind of spin off on that, Luther loved congregational music. He loved uh, music because it was considered right next to theology. And I mean, not under it, right next to it. So he made an impact on music. So, see, there was a time when people didn't do that. They, they, they just heard. They, they, had, they either heard the choirs and they heard it in maybe some language they didn't even understand which was intended to be that way. So when you think about it you go, wow, they, they missed out on a lot of joy. Well, that was part of the deal, I think, is to be kept from them. But anyway, he reformed music and he wrote songs. Luther did. And of course, Mighty Fortress is Our God. And of course, we sang that last week. He wrote many other songs. And he changed them into an upbeat, taking theology and putting it into where it had never been before. And this is what he said about this. When man's natural ability is wetted and polished to the extent that it becomes an art, then do we note with great surprise and the great and perfect wisdom of God in music which is after all His product and His gift, 
We marvel when we hear music in which one voice sings a simple melody, while three or four or five other voices play and trip lustily around the voice that sings its simple melody and adorn this simple melody wonderfully with artistic musical effects, thus reminding us of a heavenly dance where all meet in a spirit of friendliness, caress, and embrace. Now check this. A person who gives this same thought and yet does not regard it, music, as a marvelous creation of God must be a clodhopper indeed and does not deserve to be called a human being. He should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of asses and the grunting of hogs. And that's Martin Luther. And if you know Martin Luther, that is not something that is atypical of him. It is typical of Martin Luther. And so he did not refrain to say some words that maybe our attitudes maybe should not follow exactly. But I will say that he had a passion for singing. And uh, so what he said there was said with passion. He meant it. And that's what he did. He, he, whatever he thought, he said it. He meant it. God Himself is passionate about singing. God Himself is. He said, well, we just do it just to kind of warm up and get ready for the message and the music really doesn't mean anything. Well, by the time we get to the end of the day, that whole attitude, if anybody listens to what God is saying here, it's not just me, but what He says, that attitude has to change. It has to change abruptly. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about making a joyful noise unto the Lord. We always have a light to that. because, uh, And then He also says to do it skillfully, right? So it's it's a joyful thing that we have. It should be something that is at the top of our thoughts and our minds. So let's grab our Bibles. We're gonna we're gonna take Psalm 98. We're gonna read that. But the text that we're we're going to brace we're actually gonna brace on this particular text. But there are gonna be many other verses, especially out of the Psalms, that are gonna be dealing with this topic. And I hope it's a joyous time as we look at God's Word. Are you, are you ready to be joyous? Amen. You've already been joyous? Continue it. Let's stand. Let's read Psalm 98. This is a call to praise. Notice what he starts off with. Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. His right hand and His holy arm have gained the victory for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His loving kindness and His faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our Lord. Look at this. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands and let the mountains sing together for joy before the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word, Your truth. Speak to us today. Help us to learn better 
what is a great part of you that you so enjoy. So much, you created this for your enjoyment and for our enjoyment. May we understand what music is really about and be able to get better as we go in our Christian life. In Jesus' name, Amen. When we start off with this, say we'll be hitting on this Psalm 98 quite a bit, but really there are so many other verses. We're going to start off with the command to sing to the Lord. The command. There are actually over 400 references to singing in the Bible. How many? Over 400. About singing. There are 50, catch this, I said 50 direct commands that tells us to sing. I don't think anybody in here really has to be told that. But He keeps telling us constantly through the Old and New Testament that we are to sing to the Lord. The Psalms, what is it? It's a book of Psalms. A whole book. 150 chapters. The New Testament tells us to do the same thing. So with that, we don't have an option of whether we're going to sing or not. We are told to do it. And anything less than singing then is a direct disobedience. Some could say, you know what, I'm just going to have to just listen to the music and look at the words, be agreeing with the words, but I'm not going to sing. Um, Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe my voice would embarrass me. So therefore, I'm not going to sing. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, whatever that means. Was it... If you have a bucket, does it help you make the tune better? Maybe it's like a shower. You know how the shower, you know, people get in the shower and they will sing there where they wouldn't sing anywhere else. How about a car? Everybody loves to sing in a car, right? Anyway, if somebody has that kind of thought, I'm just going to listen. Well, have we got some news for you today? <laughs> you can no longer feel that way. Nobody can feel that way. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, literally. Because I know you guys love to sing. I'm not trying to tell you something new here, but here is why. So if somebody ever says this, you can say, okay, listen, get out your Bible. Let's take a look at what God says. (laughs) I just don't want to sing. Well, look in Psalm 98, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song for He has done wonderful things. Look at Psalm 98, verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Verse 5. Sing praises to the Lord. And then he says the lyre, the trumpets, the horn. We're talking about instruments. And he says shout joyfully before the King of kings. Right? Uh, Go to Psalm 95, verse 1. Here's another command. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Is that a command? Just got a few there. Let's go to Psalm 96, 1 and 2. Sing to the Lord a new song. Is that a command? God's telling us to do that. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim good tidings, good news, gospel of His salvation from day to day. There are a few. We could stop with that, but 
We're going to keep on going because the point is so clear. We sing to the Lord, blessing His name. We're singing to the Lord with other people that are saying the same thing. We're agreeing totally with them. It's evident from a number of times in Scripture. So let's go to some of the Scripture uh, besides the Psalms. And we'll come back to the Psalms. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. Here you have the Song of Moses. Actually, the whole chapter basically is a song. Exodus 15, verse 1, Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. The horse and its rider He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will extol Him. I will sing to Him. That's out of Exodus. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 16, verse 9. I love what the Bible has to say about what we like to do so much. You know it's the right thing. Hey, here's the will of God. What is it? Well, singing to Him. Verse 9. Sing to Him. And then if that's not enough, sing to Him praises. Speak of all His wonders. God of wonders? Did we sing that earlier? Isn't that great when you come across words that are the same thing in here? I wonder where they got up, got with those tunes at. Where do they come up with those words? Most often, right in here. Verse 23. 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. There He says to all the earth, everybody in it, everything that's in it, sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 5, verse 11. Go back into the songs, the Psalms. 5.11 But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them. There it's, let them ever sing for joy. Are these great verses. Chapter 9, verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare among the peoples His deeds. Do you know we declare His deeds and His very character when we sing the songs about Him? And we're doing it together and then we're declaring it to each other. Isn't that great? So it's to God and it's to each other and we're going yes, yes, right? Chapter 30, verse 4 of the Psalms. Sing praise to the Lord, you His godly ones. And give thanks to His holy name. When you're singing to Him, you're giving thanks. We have Thanksgiving coming up here pretty shortly, don't we? A couple of weeks or so. My, how the year is going by, huh? Uh, but give thanks. Of course, we have a lot of songs we always sing at Thanksgiving time that give that due to His name, the Thanksgiving. That's an automatic. You're always giving thanks to the Lord, right? Giving thanks always. Chapter 33, verse 3. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. So a new song. and There's dealing with the instruments and shouting with the joy. Joy is always there. Chapter 47, verse 6 and 7. 
47, 6 and 7. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Are these commands? They're, but you know, any commands that God gives, we love, don't we? We love His precepts. We love His Word. We love His truth. We love His law. We love everything that He gives to us. We love the Word of God, don't we? And here He says, sing praises, sing praises to God, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. That's why we do it. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. A skillful psalm. A psalm. Uh, 66 verse 2. These are all commands. I love these commands. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious. We try to do it the best that we can. As limited as we are in our humanness, we want to make it the best, don't we? We just don't go through the motions. We give it our best. Our whole mind, soul, heart, strength, everything that we have. Chapter 68, verse 4. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Lift up a song for Him who rides through the deserts, whose name is the Lord, and exult before Him. You notice he starts off with sing to God. Then he says sing praises to His name. You notice he keeps repeating that even within one verse. Even right after a phrase, he does it again. Why is he saying that? He's saying that's what we do. This is what a Christian does. It's automatic. 68 verse 32. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth, all the nations. Sing praises to the Lord. Selah. Play your instrument. Chapter 80. 81. Psalm 81. Verse 1 and 2. Sing for joy to God our strength. That's where our strength comes from. Matter of fact, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Strike the timbrel. The sweet sounding lyre with the harp. It deals with the trumpet, such the, the instrument. Matter of fact, what happened to our rhythmic instruments that we had? The, the, the young people did that. We had it over at the other church. Did we lose our instruments? They're still around. Okay. Well, I always like that. Did you guys like that? Do I see a head shaking? I think it's a great thing for them to learn to to sing and to make you know take make a joyful noise with these the, 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 the timbrels and uh, all the little rhythmic instruments. Uh, being a part of that, I think it's great. This is how you teach young people down to here how to worship God. When they're present with us and they see us doing that, do you know it just comes out of them as they see that? They're, they're taught. What a privilege it is to worship God. Um, I've done 95, 96, 98. Let's go to Psalm 100, verse 2. Oh, everybody knows Psalm 100, right? We even have a song of this one. Verse 1, Shout joyfully toward the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. This is what He wants. He gives it to us and He says, there's your gift. It's, it's me. It's part of me. Can you imagine God singing? We think of God being separate from singing and He just likes us to sing. But we'll get to that in a moment too. But this psalm 
here says, come before Him with joyful singing. He just can't wait to sing. To sing joy. Chapter Psalm 107, verse 22. What a gift He's given. How distorted it has become in our time, hasn't it? Psalm 107.22 Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His works with what? Joyful singing. How do you praise God? Well, with joyful singing. I mean, you are at the top of the best that we can do at this stage in our eternal life whenever you're singing praises to Him. Chapter 135 of Psalms. 135 verse 3. None of these are new at all, are they? Praise the Lord. Uh, What is the famous word that is worldwide throughout all of the uh, the Hebrew nation and the nations who have come to Christ? who know the true God. What is the word that says praise the Lord that everybody says? We sing it this morning. Hallelujah. That's a Hebrew word. It means hallow, praise, luyah. Lord. Praise the Lord. So when we say hallelujah, that's what we're saying. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's the most repeated and there are people all over the world today, either right now, in this city, in this state, in this nation, and abroad, that have sung or are singing hallelujah right now as we have sang hallelujah. Isn't that incredible? All the saints sing a word that all understand. No matter where you go, they'll always understand that. I think that's incredible. Incredible. So that's why you hear it so often. Hallelujah. It's a great term, isn't it? Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. For for why? It is good. You want something good? It is good to sing praises to our God. Look at this. Why is it good to sing praises to our God? For it is pleasant and praise is becoming. What does he say? It is pleasant. Do you like to enjoy? I mean, we all want to enjoy life, don't we? And even as much as the Bible has about suffering and such, there is much more rejoicing and joying and pleasuring than there is suffering. Matter of fact, you can take pleasure in suffering even that we've seen in Scripture. But we're saying here, it's a pleasant thing. It's a time of enjoyment. Matter of fact, at the, in the hour or the two hours that we're here, it's the quickest two hours of my life throughout the week. I don't know about you guys. All I know is it starts and it's over and it's like, wow, what happened? Where did it go? I mean, this is what my life is built around and I hope it's what your guys' life's built around because that's what this day is made for so that we can come together agreeing with God and we're saying things and people are not disagreeing with us because we've been disagreeing with the world all week, haven't we? If you've listened to the news... You know, if you pick up a magazine or newspaper or anything on the internet especially, I mean, it's stuff that, whoop, nope, I don't believe in that, I don't believe in that, I don't believe in that. All the atheistic beliefs that are out now, you know, and we counter it here. Right here is where we get built up. 
We, we, we give it to God. God just keeps bringing it back to us. We give it to God. He keeps bringing more to us. We can't give enough praise to Him. It's like love. You say, well, we are to love God. How do we do that? Well, we can't. But He gives it to us and then we give back our little bit. And then He gives us an amount of, that is over and abundant. And we give back some. Right? We can never outgive God in anything that He gives us. Isn't it an awesome thing? This idea of praise, because it's one way of saying, This is what I'm giving you, Lord. I don't have much. I don't really have anything. Neither gold nor silver have I, Peter said, but I have the Lord to give you. Right? I have the good news. And then, of course, when we're praising Him, I mean, this is tremendous. We're declaring His glory. And uh, so. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in a sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. It's about His deeds and it's about His character. You can sum up God and say, well, I want to praise God. What can I start with? Well, He praise Him for what He has done, His creation, and then the new creation at the cross, right? That's His deeds, His wondrous works, and then His excellent greatness. That's His character, His nature. That's dealing with His holiness, His sovereignty, His majesty, Right? His love, His grace, His mercy. Think of those things. That'll start taking up a lot of time as you start to praise Him and pray to Him. You just tell Him about who He is. And He says, I like that. Because you are glorifying Me because as a result, then the joy comes back to us. He's not getting anything new. He knows that. Because there's no one like Him. Zephaniah 3.14 There's a different one. We're out of the Psalms. We're still looking at commands. Zephaniah is close to Zechariah, which is close to the end of the Old Testament. You have Zephaniah, then you have Haggai. Then you have Zechariah. Well, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14 says, Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Shout for joy. And really this comes down to not only Israel, but all of His people. Zechariah, let's go to here. Since we're close to Zechariah, chapter 2, verse 10. Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. We sing because Christ is coming back. He dwells with us now, but we don't sing. One day, we will see His glory. We will be like Him. We'll be able to sing like He sings. Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16. We'll get into that in a moment. These are all commands. Why does God want us to sing? Why is that? What's, what's the big deal about it? Why does He tell us that? Why couldn't we just praise Him with words? Praise Him with words and not sing. Why not just pray and preach, right? 
Dennis, why don't you just get up there and just preach the Word and then let it be done? Let's do our 60-minute thing and that's it, right? We put a lot of time and effort because the King of Kings is here. The Majesty is here. I think it's an amazing thing that we can sit here for two hours because you know what the world says? 15 minutes. fifteen Because that is all people can retain these days. But people can go to the movies and watch a two-hour movie. They can go to a football game and go for three hours or go to a baseball game. And these days, baseball goes about four and a half to five hours in the World Series. Even I start to get a little bored after that. Why sing? Because God's people throughout history have always sang. Why have they always done that? Why words and music? Not just Why not just words alone? Why does God want us to sing? To sing. Well, here's the reason why. God Himself sings. God sings. That really tripped me up whenever I came across that many years ago, but I go, what? What are, what are you saying? You sing? I thought you just wanted us to sing, but this you sing? I, I've never heard you sing, God. Zephaniah, which we were in earlier, before Zechariah, I didn't read that verse, but I did it intentionally. Verse 17. Verse 14, he tells the daughter of Zion to sing. And in verse 17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with song or joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy or song. With singing. He rejoices over you? Yes, He sings over you. Remember our verse that we had at the, the old building? Back of us. It's right back there. And we could just read that because we've said that many times. I think that is overwhelming to me. That God would sing over me. I think of a little kid in bed at night and the parent comes over and tells them a story and then maybe sings them a lullaby, singing over them. Boy, how tender that is. Sometimes we need that kind of verse, don't we? God just gently is in our midst singing over us. Don't you like that thought? Now that's gracious, isn't it? He sings. Look in Matthew 26, verse 30. Boy, that puts it into different light when we think about that. He's the one that made this. He created this gift. He's the first one who sang. He knows all about music. Man, we'd say, okay, you know, God doesn't care about the you know guitar, bass guitar, drums, or piano. You know, he just we have it. You know, we do our little thing just as long as we enjoy it. You know, God doesn't care. He doesn't need that. He could take the acapella. Well, that acapella is great. Matter of fact, there are times for that. It's great just to hear vocals only because honestly, that is the best instrument there is. It was given by God for that. But other instruments do help. 
And they will be there in glory too. But in Matthew 26, we see God, or Jesus, Jesus is God, singing. After the Lord's Supper was instituted, you know the Lord's Supper, right? After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Right after the Passover, which is what they had, and, and there was a there was a hymn that was already designed for that. And they sang that hymn. Jesus was leading them out. Who do you think who was leading them in the singing? He's led them all throughout the Passover celebration all the way to the Afikoman. The Afikoman is the dessert. That is where it comes into the New Testament in play where Jesus says, they knew about the Afikoman comes up and He is in that wrapped up linen. That piece of bread that was broken off is in the linen. It's in the cloth the burial cloth. They bring that to the leader of the Passover and, and he said something they never said before. Take, eat. This is my body. Take, drink. This is my blood. They had always had the apicom and they didn't have that part. He's just said that. And now they go out. And He leads them with a hymn. Can you imagine how joyous Jesus is even though it's a time of grief because He knows He's going to be arrested very shortly. And He's singing. He's leading in this hymn. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. Oh, here's an exciting one. Have you ever thought about Jesus singing? Well, He let the twelve disciples sing and He just was around there just bringing and you know, listening to the... No. He's singing in Hebrews 2.12. In verse 11, he says, For both He, Christ, who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified, that's us, are all from one Father, for which reason He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Did you know what? He's not ashamed of us. Do you have guilt? Do you have remorse? Well... Sometimes that's a gift. He gives that to us, but we're not to stay there. We are to repent, confess our sins, and move on and live a life that resembles Christ. He says here, He's not ashamed to call us brethren. He's not ashamed of us. Saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. Jesus says, I'll proclaim your name, Father, to my brethren. Believers, I'll proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. This is an Old Testament quote, but who is it about? It's about what Jesus was going to do, which he does, he will. in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Ultimately, that will happen. We will see Jesus singing in heaven in glory. Have you ever thought of that? I bet most of you probably haven't. Jesus singing? Yeah. What other leader would you want? Can you imagine how His voice would be? Can you imagine, can you think of Pavarotti or some of the greatest vocalists you've ever heard, whether it be in the rock field or whether it be in the, the Italian singers, the baritones and such? 
And as great as they may sing, can you imagine Jesus' voice? Look in verse 13 of Hebrews 2. I will put trust in Him. And again, behold, I and the children, us, whom God has given me. There's divine election right there. Whom the Father gave to the Son. He says, I'm not ashamed of them. And I'll sing over them. I'll sing with them. That is why He wants us to sing. Because you know why? Because we are to be like Him. That's what He's doing to us now. And that's what He will continue to do until the time He comes back. And then we will be like Him. One day we will have golden voice cords. Golden streets, golden cords. I don't see that. But it means your voice is going to be awesome. And the next person right next to you is not going to be any worse than you are or better than you are. We're going to have vocal cords that are just going to be perfect with perfect singing. We worship a triune, perfect God. God loves to sing. He invented it. He is the singer of singers. He knows the instruments. He knows every note. And He wants us to be like Him. Well, there's the command. We could probably just leave off with that, but let's keep on moving. Sing to the Lord a new song. Have you heard that much? And all of us who've become Christians recognize that. It meant a lot to me whenever I started singing a new song. A new song. A new song. Hearts are filled with a new spirit-filled gratitude, thanksgiving that were never there before. Before Christ, yeah, we might have sang a new uh, a song. We might have had just everything on our phones just loaded. Back at that time, it might have been CDs or cassettes, and we could go all the way back to albums and eight tracks. When we came Christians, regardless of what your age is, where you came from, you have a new newfound sense of enthusiasm. Your whole attitude changed. Did you notice it? Conviction and joy. The old songs all of a sudden didn't have the same ring. At least they shouldn't. They don't mean as much as the new song. Uh, in our text today that we're in in Psalms, now you notice I'm doing this a little bit differently today because... We usually take verse by verse and explain what each verse is and each word. We're not really doing that today, are we? Kind of doing a systematic approach to this, I guess. But in Psalm 98, Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. His right hand and His holy arm have gained the victory for Him as a powerful God. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His loving kindness and His faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. 
Shout joyfully to the Lord with all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy. Sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the King of the Lord. Let the sea roar and all it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. Amazing. Uh, I really got to see something this week as I studied through this. You see that it's customary for the Hebrew people to celebrate God's mighty acts, His powerful deeds that He's done. They'd write a new song. They'd see God do something, they'd write a new song. That only makes sense, doesn't it? To write a song about what God just did. Well, you notice it here in the Psalm 98. He's done wonderful things. What do you want to sing? Well, for one thing, look at the things that He's done. Right? There was Moses. There was the Red Sea. The Lord delivered the people of Israel by walking through that Red Sea as He split the Red Sea. And He set them free. Moses comes up with a song. It's called the Song of Moses. And you see it in Exodus 15. He says, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. It goes on. There's another one where God answered Hannah's prayer. Remember Hannah? Hannah didn't have any children. She's going to give birth to who? Samuel. She doesn't know that. She keeps praying night and day for years. And it looks like it's impossible. It was impossible. Because without God... And then in 1 Samuel chapter 2, my heart exalts, as we'll say, sings in the Lord. My horn uh, is exalted in the Lord. Horn is strength. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. She knew that he's, He is salvation. It is Him. That was Hannah's prayer. It was, it's also Hannah's song. Moses' song. Hannah's song. David had a song all throughout the Psalms whenever he prevailed over the Gibeonites, the Philistines, all the other enemies that Israel had. And he said this in 2 Samuel 22. All the other enemies, he's saying, Yahweh or the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, even mine. God, my rock. In Him I will take refuge. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Sound like a song, doesn't it? So whenever the Hebrews experienced the power of God's redeeming love to them, they would write a new song. They would sing a new song. When we came to the Lord, we sang a new song. We're singing a new song even though it's maybe it could be holy, 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 which we've sang for all of our lives or all of our Christian lives. might be an old song, but all of a sudden it becomes new, doesn't it? Because of the redemption that's there. Psalm 98 that we just said there. We're talking about a great moment of celebration. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Let's go to the third one. Music and words. I used to say this. Oh, I never listen to the words. I just play it. <laughs> I said that for a long time. Because I love the instrumentation. I hear somebody singing. I know there are words, but I don't care. I love to hear the music. Because I play guitar, right? So that was my thought on that. Of course, if somebody didn't have the words, it would sound kind of funny. 
And sometimes those words didn't make sense. And then other times the words did make sense. And all of a sudden I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. This is not what I want to sing about. Uh, demons and wizards. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I sang songs that were about demons and wizards. Blue Oyster Cult. Uriah Heaps. The Deep Purples. Some of you might remember some of them. Go back and look at those words. Whenever I came to the new song, all of a sudden it just blew me away as those words just came right face to face staring at me. And the Lord said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I've got a lot of money in these albums. <laughs> wonder if I could, wonder if I could sell. I didn't immediately do anything. I thought about it, and I'm not saying that's what we are. We're having a good old-fashioned book burning here at Grace Community Church. Everybody's welcome. So, I, you know, what I say is not what I would command. I do command, uh, or the Lord commands, if something is a stumbling block for you or for others, then you have to take a look at that. And I'm not saying all secular music is wrong. I am saying whenever there were albums and albums that I had that I knew that it was it was it was demonic. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It was in the words itself. I never thought of it. I thought, man, this is cool music. But it did come to my attention. I don't need that anymore. Why would I want it to be hanging around in my room? So I moved it out to another room. And then one day, I started a fire. And I took all those albums that I knew to be bad. They went right in and I saw them melt. And I'm going, yes. (laughs) They're not any part of my life anymore. Because that was my life. See, that that was my life. That was what everything revolved around. Who was my God? Music was my God. I was into idolatry. And I I shut it down for a while. And I didn't play for a while. And then God started showing me the new song. And some of you that were back during that day, when we first started a Bible study, I I was still playing in, in clubs, playing some music that was not... God honoring, and the next thing I know is that God shut that down. I would, we'd have our Bible study from starting at seven o'clock, and about five till ten till till nine. I was about ten minutes away, really, and I would boom go on out and, and play at the club and play some things that were totally different than what we had just discussed. I'm saying I'm living two lives here. This is not working for me. And the Lord was very gentle, and over time, I I saw what he was saying. I saw that music ultimately is really for his glory. If you can take a song that is about his creation, or even take a love song that is not X-rated, R-rated, something that is saying something. You can take topics and things. You can sing about that. Don't have to have the word God in it. You can enjoy it. uh, Have fun with it. uh, And it may not necessarily... And you can say... I'm giving glory to God in that. You know, He gave me the instrument to do it or 
Uh, he gave me the vocals, and I and I love to sing along with that. So therefore, see, I'm not making a judgment for everybody. This is how it worked for me and many others. Because if I would have stayed held on with that, it was a Lord of saying, "Chop, that has to go." And it was after that time, whenever I saw that, then I started bringing the guitar into Bible study. And uh, let's see, Debbie, Penny, Carolyn. You guys remember that. And we had a whole bunch of young people at that time who many are now in their... I won't say it. <laughs> and I'll just say it goes back about uh, over 30 years ago. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because music all of a sudden became a new song to me and now I didn't have a need for that anymore and I saw people who had come out of uh, whether it be a Mylon Lefevre whether it be uh, there was a guy who used to play with Paul McCartney uh, Phil Keggy on and on and on some of these guys that were out in the secular realm who said I don't need that song anymore that's not me I don't need it if you don't need it, I mean, you can you can still play it if it's not saying something bad. But there's something even better, right? We want the best, and that's that's how it worked for me. Uh, he he gave us music to serve the Word of God. It's a powerful gift from God. This praise, and like I said, it it, it can take in a lot of other songs. I don't condemn them. A lot of times, I'll just play it on my guitar. Oh, it was something like this, just for fun and everything. It's remembrance, but it's not my life anymore. Um, This powerful gift that God gives us all—it complements, it supports, it deepens the impact of words we sing. See, words mean something. If it comes from an unbeliever, chances are it's not going to be about believing in God, right? What are they going to bring forth? Well, probably something that could be against God. Maybe not. Maybe it's just something in general. Okay, I can deal with that. But I'll tell you how powerful words are. They help us remember. It's to recall hymns, for instance. If you Can you recall a hymn that goes back, even like Amazing Grace? Did you know that as a kid? Probably heard it. Maybe you didn't. Some grew up in the church, some didn't. Many of you maybe not even had heard of it. How about a TV jingle from the 90s that you can still draw up and you know you can sing right along with it? And you, and you might even sing some of the words. That's how powerful it is. How about nursery rhymes? You can still recite some nursery rhymes of stuff that you learned when you were a kid. How about Christmas carols? Joy to the world and all those. A lot of us have those in our memory, etched in our memory. Maybe not all the verses, but some of it. Uh, How about pop songs that we learned as a teenager? Some of them are still there, right? That shows you that you can. They help us to remember. The the remembering there is tremendous. The the rhyme, the pattern that, that is all there. God meant that for a purpose. That's why teaching kids songs is why it's so important. Because they can remember that better than they can just teaching them words, can't they? I think every one of us would be able to say, yeah, that's right. Um, Our minds are hardwired to recognize, to categorize, to, to remember patterns. It's in music much better than just words. Alzheimer's patients. For instance, my mom. A lot of you remember when we were going over to the building before the, the last building 
over on Lincoln University campus. My mom was going there for a while. You guys remember that, right? And, of course, she'd come in, and, of course, um, she maybe would know your name and maybe really wouldn't, but she'd act like she would. And a lot of times she would act like she would know me, but she didn't know who I was. She couldn't remember me, you know. Hey, I'm your son, you know. Yeah. <laughs> who? <laughs> but that's the way that pattern goes. But here is what is so interesting, and you hear this over and over and over. They can sing songs that they used to sing when they were kids or in their early adult years. I could take my mom outside, wheel her outside, sit on the patio, and then I could put on a CD or I could play my guitar, and all of a sudden she'd be singing those old hymns. She didn't have any lyrics before her. She just started singing. She remembered those words, and at the same time, she doesn't even know who the guitar player is. (laughs) And you know what? I found out that is a pattern over and over and over. That's the power of music. It gets you to remember. It's a great learning tool. The rhythm, the meter, the rhyming pattern. It's easy to remember. And in Deuteronomy 31.21, it tells us that. When many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness. For it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. Deuteronomy 31.21 Singing can help us remember words. That's a gift. How about engaging emotionally? Along with remembering the words, singing connects the words we sing with our hearts. It becomes very emotional. We are emotional people. Don't let emotions be at the top though. It's It's your mind first, right? And you think. And we control our emotions, but emotions are part of it. David played skillfully in the Lord on his harp. Remember what it did for Saul? It gave him peace. His troubled spirit was calmed. Uh, Jesus even referred to music that, uh, that dealt with people that wanted to dance or mourn. Talking about, you know, how it dealt with them and their emotions. We have thankfulness in our hearts when we sing a song to God. Singing can help us take more time to reflect. When you're singing, you might you probably are going to say the words maybe in a shorter amount of time. Or a longer time. It stretches out. You have space. You can think on words sometimes. They're repeated sometimes. I don't like endless repeating. But sometimes they're repeated. And we get to think on that. It stirs our emotions in that thought. Jonathan Edwards said this in his Religious Affections. The duty of singing praises to God seems to be appointed wholly to excite and express religious affections. No other person can be assigned why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in prose and do it with music. But only that such is our nature and frame that these things have a tendency to move our affections. Jonathan Edwards, when he's speaking of affections here, is meaning our entire being. Our whole being. Not just the emotions, but it takes in the emotions and everything, our mind. It's His truth. 
That's what determines our words, our thoughts, our choices, our actions. They spring from the center of our very being. Colossians 3.16 Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's the affections, the very center of our being. The good news is that God wants us to use music. He designed music. He wants to hear it. It is to be constant in our thoughts. It's to break through our apathy, our just not caring, our hardness of heart. Music has that kind of power where it can come in and go to the religious affections to help us engage emotionally with His Word. So the Word and song go together. The singing is not less than what we just have done here in the preaching. Although this is the focus, the preaching of the Word, the singing is not less than the preaching because the two go together. Because if you're singing the Word of God, and those words are good, you can tell a church's doctrine by what they sing. If it's bad doctrine, you can judge a a church right off the bat. This church is not doctrinally sound. That's why you know we have to be really careful. We look at those words and, and, and as we sing them, we know that this is true about God. So when that be the case, even if we didn't have a preaching time, and that's really... But let's just say it is moved out of the way. We couldn't have a preaching time. We could just have singing time. That can't happen. But here, here's the deal. Could we have enough in the singing that would make us doctrinally strong. Does that make sense? We want to sing the full counsel of God as well as we want to preach the full counsel of God. The different attributes of God. The different wondrous works of God. You think of those and it all comes together. You can't have enough songs, can you? That's why we just don't want to be stuck in just one hymn book, but there are new songs that come out that we want to grab or songs that we've missed. So we can't put all of them in a hymn book. And so therefore, we do put them up on a screen because we want to keep with what is good, whatever that... Not just because it's new, but because of what it says, what it does. And if we discover that, music will become even more enlightening to us. It's one of the greatest gifts. Can you imagine life without music? Can you imagine never hearing a song again? Boy, it would not only be quiet, it would be disturbing. We need that for our souls. How many people I've talked to when they're writing to work or writing to Bible study or church, they got they stick on a CD and there they are singing with it as they go on. Or they're singing with their kids, right? Or they're singing out by themselves to the Lord and it's like, you know, whatever. You know, it, it it's part of our lives. And like I say, I'm preaching to the choir here because I know you all guys, you guys love music. I don't have to make a point to you. But 
Isn't it good to know that? Well, listen, there are seven reasons why singing matters. And I think that's going to have to come next week. There are seven reasons why singing matters. Hope that sounds encouraging. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your singing. Let's pray. Father, we want to take Your Word and not only get it into our minds, but to be able to do that Word. Because it brings pleasure to You as we do as we've been commanded. And that song, no matter how it comes out, it is beautiful, it's perfect to You because of the work of Christ. Because He's what what He's done in our hearts. And we offer up these songs, these songs that contain words that are all about You and what You've done. Lord, now as we concentrate on the Lord's Supper, we commune with each other knowing You are amongst us, heartily agreeing with what we're doing because it's based on Your Word. And You said that we are to remember to do these things. We remember You when we do these things. We remember Jesus Christ and His mighty works, His character, what He's done for each one of us. Thank You for that grace of God. Thank You for the joy that You give us. In Your Son's name, Amen.